0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Jeffrey A. Martinovich about overcoming fear and choosing to get back into the game. Jeff Martinovich, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. Great to be here today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm super excited to have a nice conversation. Today, we're going to be exploring your book, Just One More, The Wisdom of Bob Vukovic. And we're going to be talking about overcoming fear and choosing to get back into the game Mm -hmm. of life, of work, of whatever area we're having struggles in, how we can get back on the saddle and get going again. Uh, And I think that's an ever-present kind of a challenge most of us face on a regular basis. and so, you know, it's a story of resilience, it's a story of grit and just doing the best we can each and every day. As we get started, I wanted to share Jeff's bio with everybody. Jeff A. Martinovich is a first Gulf War veteran, MBA, and CEO of Jam Accelerator LLC, a business consulting and incubation firm. Previously, Jeff was founder and CEO of. MICG Investment Management, a billion-dollar wealth management firm. After the 2008 financial crisis, Jeff rejected three government plea offers, resulting in a 14-year prison sentence. Yet the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals reversed twice. Two U- U.S. District Court judges were removed, and after nearly seven years, he was released to home confinement in May of 2020 to begin rebuilding his life. And his book is Just One More, The Wisdom of Bob Vukovich. Such an interesting uh, background you don't
1: and get I that one every day, do you, John?
0: No, I mean it is a bit interesting, and I appreciate you being open about it and sure. vulnerable. And uh, I'd love to hear just a little bit more about that, and then we'll dive on in to this this idea of overcoming fear and choosing to get back in.
1: Sure, boy, uh, it's a lot, but uh, a quick synopsis is: uh, in 2008, you know, when the whole world crashed there in our financial crisis, you know, on Wall Street. Nobody went to jail. Nothing happened to any of those people. But a lot of people don't realize they did go around. And a lot of us smaller companies, kind of what they call tier two investment firms, you know, they shut down about two or 3,000 of these firms. And uh, they do it by alleging nefarious activities and hedge funds and all those terrible things. And And we had a fleet of attorneys, fleet of CPAs. And I knew that nobody in our firm had done that. And And I had to make a critical choice. You know, was I going to, at this point, at one of the hardest points of my life, of course, stand up for what I believed was right. Uh, I was terrified, of course, but I did reject three plea offers. I'm the only crazy person that goes to trial against the federal government. Uh, 98.5% of those end in conviction. And uh, certainly so did mine. Uh, We were trying to explain hedge fund accounting, Uh, to the jury while the prosecutors were putting up pictures every day of our homes and cars and trips. And so uh, I was toast. But uh, through a lot of hard work and uh, just trying to overcome fear, I tried to teach myself federal criminal law, something I had certainly never thought I would, was very fortunate by helping about 300 other inmates on their cases, learned a little bit about that business was able to get my, uh, some decisions reversed twice, uh, two federal judges removed, and about seven years later, unfortunately, I was able to come home, and uh, so that's, so I've been home about two years, and rebuilding the world, rebuilding life, and and so crazy fortunate to be here, Uh, and, and lots of really cool miracles happening every day now.
0: Yeah, I mean I can't even imagine. <laughs> um and I'm sure you've heard, you know, all sorts of things from different people as you've shared your story. So I'm not going to try to to make it all better and <laughs> say something magical. But I I understand it's just a horrific thing and and uh you know, I, I think going through experiences like that um really put the test on people and how they're going to respond. Uh so I'm cur- I am i am curious you know if you if you don't mind going into a little bit more detail, sure. how you stayed positive, how you stayed resilient and focused on what you could control amidst, you know, basically this whole situation that was out of control.
1: Right, right. And you know the worst part is not only, you know, are you going through it, but I had a great group of shareholders, employees, and of course my family. So you, you have the guilt and the uh, shame and all of those type of issues, you know, on you 24-7. Um, but the one trick that I kind of figured out for myself was I basically made a commitment to get stronger every single day and to get stronger physically, intellectually, and emotionally. And I figured out that if I could do that, you know, just this little bit stronger every day, tomorrow's going to be better. And it may not be a miracle. Um, And and it was, it was such an uphill battle, 2,381 days. And I actually filed nearly 500 motions and actions and petitions, and 99.9% of those were all denied. And so just every day is denial every day is rejection and so you have to just get as strong as possible otherwise self pity despair depression and even much worse overtakes you as you lie back down on your steel metal pot you know every evening but i figured it out and i tried to make every single day i was in the gym or on the track and i was reading and studying things I had never been exposed to in my life. When I, I went to the Air Force Academy, when you come from all the engineering schools, you you never read any of the classics. And I've always been so embarrassed I did. So I read 28 classics. And then, and then also I discovered uh, meditation and Siddha Yoga and these different things that made me emotionally stronger and able to kind of get rid of the standard deviations of a wild ups and downs and be able to get through this. And, you know, inch by inch, uh, how do we eat an elephant? And so just, you know, piece by piece, you know, we made it out the other side. And so if I could, and what I do now is I, is I help other people with that type of concept in their businesses and their life to get through these challenges, you know, just this much more every day, and eventually, we have to believe it's going to be all right.
0: Yeah, and we all face those challenges. Now, we all don't spend several uh, right. years in prison, uh, but we all have our own unique story, our own unique Correct. set of challenges.
1: Everybody goes through these.
0: And, and so, how we choose to respond is is ultimately going to determine a lot of what our future holds for us. And you know, sometimes those challenges are self-inflicted. Sometimes they're natural consequences to choices we've made, but so often, and I would say most of the time, it's, it's not, it's just, it's just the constraints of the environment we happen to be in. Um, And, and there's really nothing we can do to control it. The only control we have is how we choose to respond. And, and so regardless of what your situation is, whatever challenge you're facing in your organization or within your family or community or whatever, uh, I, I think ultimately you know, we, we take stock of our responsibility. Certainly we take stock of like the natural consequences of choices, but we also take stock on what is controllable, what's not controllable. And then how are we going to choose to respond hopefully in a positive way? And I love that you just wanted to be a little bit stronger each and every day that I I've thought about this. I've thought about like, what happens if, if the police come for me and I get thrown in jail, not because I'm doing stuff to get thrown in jail, but, but, <laughs> right. but in, in another life. So back when I was going through my PhD program, yeah. um, I, I actually taught criminology for a couple of years at the university. Oh, and wow. that's, that's not what I do now. Like I, I'm, I'm leadership org change and that kind of stuff, but I was in an, a sociology PhD program. And so they had me teach criminology. So I taught criminology for a couple of years. And what I learned from teaching that class and preparing for that is the number of people wrongfully convicted um, okay. is a staggering number and it's you know we're two white guys and so it certainly happens to people like us but it happens disproportionately more to people of color and yeah. i mean there's just there's so many systemic problems i remember years ago having this conversation with my wife like if if i get like accused of murder and i'm the number one suspect i think we run to canada because i don't know like <laughs> I, I don't have faith in the system <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Right. And, and it is it is a little mind blowing because, you know, I'm I'm a great patriot and I was carrying the flag down the middle of the street in the parade. And then you get into these situations and you are shocked at how things really work behind the green curtain. And so you do you get you become Uh, You know, maybe if you're a conservative, you might become a flaming liberal or vice versa. And it really messes with your paradigm about what you think is important and how things really work. And, you know, we used to say on the way up is life's all about exposure. And when I would teach young financial advisors, it's like, you know, life is about getting exposure. Well, certainly many times we get exposure to all these areas we never thought we would. But I think the way you you just said it, the way you accept it and the way you figure out how are we going to get to the other side is the key. And, and one of the key things by, by me taking a job in the prison law library and just saying, you know what? I'm going to try to help these 300 other guys do better on their cases or, or see what's going on. And by in turn... I learned so much and I was given so much that that allowed me to get from the very violent facility down to a safer facility, which during COVID and everything allowed me to get to home confinement. And it was all these processes that, you know, if we wouldn't have reached out and tried to not make it about woe is me and everything and just try to fix the problem. The other thing is, is everybody wants you to collapse, Uh, be destroyed, cry, and end it all. And we as leaders, we as business leaders, we as sports leaders, leaders of our family, you know, that doesn't do anything. You know, we can do that to please people, but what we really have to do is fix the problem, regardless of how it happened. And lots of times society doesn't want you to do that. They don't want you to be strong, they don't want you to smile. They don't want you to try to rebuild the world. But that's what we have to do. It's the only answer. There, there really is no other answer.
0: Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital. Exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. So tell us now a little bit about the book, uh, and I'm interested, it, it's written in the form of a parable. So tell us a little bit about that. Cho- your choice for the parable, a little bit about the parable, uh, if you don't mind.
1: Sure. Well, I, I've put together a few business books, and it's kind of funny, like people say, uh, why would somebody who lost a billion dollars put together a business book? But about 25 chapters were on the way up. And about 15 chapters were, here's all the terrible mistakes I made. And then we had about another 15 chapters left over that really weren't business lessons. They were more life lessons. And uh, Bob Vukovich is this great mentor. And he's really an amalgamation of so many mentors that I've had the pleasure to be exposed to. Very fortunate. And so as he begins to teach young Cole These different ideas. Uh, I also remembered that the world learns best by telling stories. And that's how we've been doing it for millions of years. So we put together a parable, a narrative nonfiction that really, if if we look closely, pretty much mirrors (laughs) my life the last 10 years. Uh, But Bob's journey really is about giving these lessons. But as we always remember, the teacher learns more than the student. And at the end, we're trying to find out, is Bob really going to himself take his own advice and get back into this competitive game of life?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. And, you know, again, it's it's so uh, critical that we we look for good examples anywhere we can find them. And in this case, it's a it's a fictional parable, um, kind of uh, archetype of, of what that could look like, you know, in terms of, of how we can uh, move forward in a positive way. Um, one of the things I really like about, you know, what you explore in the book, but also just your whole attitude and how you've approached this situation is the, the fear component, the overcoming fear. We, we all face the challenges. And when we face challenges, you know, many people kind of cave in on themselves. And like you said, they collapse. Um, Other people, uh, for whatever reason, you know, have a different mindset, and they're able to, to kind of attack, you know, take it head on and to overcome that fear. Fear is is just part of the human condition. It's it we're hardwired to have uh, fight and fight or flight responses and and those sorts of things. But, uh, you know, we're not we're more evolved. We're in a more evolved um, uh, communities and societies today. We don't need all the fight or flight responses, but we still have them internally. And so we have to, again, like know what's happening when we're experiencing it and then choose how we're going to respond. Tell us a little bit more about how you go about doing that in terms of overcoming fear. There's
1: a, there's a chapter in the book about brain compartmentalization, And I think that that's really the key, because you're right, you know, people, um, you know, in your life that when they have that one problem going on, it's just, you know, drama queen and everything falls apart and, you know, the whole world has to hear about it all day. But then, you know, these couple of other rare people who, if you only knew, they have a hundred problems going on behind the scene. But they're the duck, you know, with the feet under the water, but they're smiling and they're handling it and they're getting through it. And so I think brain compartmentalization is a key. During this 10 year drama, I would have to take all this terrible, terrible anger, anxiety, and fear and move it over to the side of the brain just so we can function and get through as many items as we can today to keep as positive as possible. And yes, over time, that bad stuff will get less and less if we can just keep making forward progress. But I think that is the key. Otherwise, you're just incapacitated. You're paralyzed by fear and anger and guilt and all these other things. But I think also at the other end of the scale is we as human beings have to somehow maintain something deep inside our souls that either we believe we're still a good person or somebody else believes in us. Um, I had a few very special people, my wife, Ashley, my s- close circle of friends who stayed 100% connected to me and supported of me, supportive of me through this entire thing. And that was huge. As uh, my wife Ashley says, it was really just a big love story. And so those type of things, we have to feel deep inside us that we're a good person, that we're going to get through this, whether we've made mistakes or not, that everything's going to be okay. And the final part I think is we have to believe in a grand design. We have to believe in something, you know, regardless of what that is. I think if we don't believe in something then we, we lose hope. We lose the, the ability to think, you know what? It's a good chance if I do the right thing, yeah, things may be terrible today, but it's gonna be better tomorrow. And, and I had so many miracles happen to me through this time period, so many coincidences that just there has to be something to it and I'm sticking to it, <laughs> that's my idea. And I think if you have those fundamental beliefs, then you can get through the hardest times that we all go through.
0: You know, that can take a lot of different forms for people. And, and for many, that's a spiritual kind of foundation and hope, uh, or a religious kind of a hope. Uh, but it doesn't need to be rooted there. It, you know, whatever it is, whatever your hope, whatever your 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 purpose and what you're striving for, um, you know, that, that can guide you when you're going through those darkest times. And I couldn't help, as you were describing now, you know, obviously your situation's not the same, but I'm thinking of that movie um Hurricane, which was based on a true story. And I don't know if you've seen that movie or are familiar with the story. No, no. Um it was uh, a famous heavyweight boxer back in like the 50s or 60s, uh African-American, uh wrongfully accused, um, convicted of murder, and spends oh something like 30 years in prison uh yeah. until finally they they uncover evidence that you know he had nothing to do with it and he's released you know and a uh, great movie uh, based on a book based on the the man's real life um Denzel Washington um played if, if I'm remembering correctly Denzel Washington was the, uh was the actor and uh it was, it was just one of those both heartbreaking yet inspiring types of films perseverance and just the strength of the human heart you know and, and like. Like you were saying, just doing a little bit more every day, finding ways to serve those around you, finding ways to strengthen yourself, um, strengthen your mind, strengthen, strengthen your soul. And, and, and you persevere. Uh, One of my favorite movies of all time uh, is the Shawshank Redemption,
1: uh, a similar,
0: similar type of a story, right? Right. At the end, it's, you're victorious. Even though this poor man has spent, you know, a better part of his life in prison, wrongfully accused he's able to make something of it. And I hope that's how I would respond if I found myself in that kind of a situation, right. but we, right. never know, we never know. And, and never know. Ult- ultimately, I think we, we what we can do, while we never know what we can do is prepare mentally now for the trials and adversities that we are already facing and we know yeah. we will face in the future. Um, regardless of the severity of those trials, We will face them and, and we, so we can start that process now and, and check our fear uh, and, and cultivate hope, cultivate hope in our family, our friends, in God, in whatever form that takes for you. And that can really help to get us through.
1: Absolutely. And I'm a huge believer of, you know, if you overcome fear in the smallest little things every day and you say, Yes. To, as everything you can possibly say yes to every day, you're building up the strength that is going to be needed during these times. And, and I'll just close with, there, there has been this unbelievable number of miracles that have happened to me to, to make it home. My adult son, Cole, now works with me every day. I have a new baby little girl at my advanced age. Uh, her name is Carly and uh, with my wife, Ashley, and we have so much great business, coaching, speaking, consulting going on that I could have never imagined. And, and, you know, I almost gave up a hundred times and is just an honest answer. But once you get through that other side, it is hard to believe, but it can be phenomenal again.
0: Well said, Jeff. I really appreciate your time, your insights, your, your, your wisdom. Uh, Before we wrap up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then just give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Sure. Uh, The the easiest way is uh, one website, www.jeffmartinovich.com. We have many other businesses and websites, but that's kind of a great repository there. And they can find out about our speaking, consulting, coaching, um, and mergers and acquisitions there. Uh, and then the last thing I would say, and I greatly appreciate this opportunity, John, is um, you talk about inspiration and hope today. And, and really, it, it all can be better. It all most of the time will be better. And so if, if I could give any hope in my story of 10 long years of battling the world um, just day by day by day, eventually the sun does come out and eventually, you know, it is a lot better. We just got to make it through.
0: Thank you, Jeff. It has just been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Jeff can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. That You can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.